Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Well, growing up in an African village, Samarungwa's deepest desire was to become educated. But under the crushing effects of poverty, every day became about basic human survival. Later, however, he was given the opportunity to come to America to make his dream of becoming a Ph.D. a reality. And once he received his doctorate degree, he vowed that now is the time to educate the world out of crime, disease, and poverty rates. Today we're going to be talking with Sam Arungwa, who is USU Assistant Professor of Criminal Justice and Prevention Science Extension Specialist at the USU Blanding Campus. We'll also be talking with Sheriff Jason Torgerson, who is San Juan County Sheriff. And we hope to be talking with Representative Lowry Snow, a Republican representing District 74 in Washington County. We're talking about uh, evidence-based criminal prevention or crime prevention. Uh, Dr. Rungwa teaches criminal justice classes with an emphasis in juvenile justice. Brings his passion and energy to this area of, uh, of uh, study. Uh, so do we have uh, Dr. Rungwa on with us? Yes, I'm with you now, Tom. Okay, great, great. Good, good to have you on. Well, I wonder if we could start with uh, with your fascinating uh, background. You uh, you grew up was it Nigeria? Yes, I did. You grew up in I, Nigeria. Uh, uh, tell me about the conditions there, but and, and and the dream that you had. Well, well, growing up, I um, I always dreamed to come to America because I, when I was fourteen. Um, my father had invited uh, missionaries from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints um, to come to our village. My village is called Nsirimo, which is one of the tiny villages in eastern Nigeria. And it, it's a long story how he um, was looking for an American religious partner of sort, and it took about 10 years eventually um, the missionaries came to my village, and I was 14 then. I remember that I had finished primary school. Uh, when I was 12, I was um, considered bright. I was one of the top students in the primary school, and I wanted to go to secondary school. And then my father um, gave me probably one of the worst news of my life when he told us that he would not be able to fund uh, more than a primary education for any of us. And so I when the missionaries met me, I was very, very upset, very sad. They asked why I wasn't in school, which I was grateful for, and I told them my sad story, and that's, that completely changed my life. They, they were interested in my father and teaching him the gospel, but they took a particular interest in me and my story, and they told my dad that they are not supposed to adopt a child while they're on mission, but that they really like his son, me, and that they would like to help me because I was interested in... Um, getting an education, and I told him I wanted a secondary education, and they asked, that's it? You just want a secondary education? And I said, yes, just like my father. I want to be like my father. And they said, well, have you thought about being more educated than your father to be a university professor? My dad was a primary school teacher, and so that's when I learned that you could actually go beyond secondary school, and you could teach not only in primary school, you could be a teacher in a university and so i changed my vision to um to be a university professor and so that's how i it took another um 10 years for them to be able to i joke that they smuggled me into america but but eventually i came here when i was uh 25 which is about 25 years ago well it's a it's an amazing amazing story great opportunity right incredible opportunity yes. uh, so you did set your sights higher right uh but uh, <laughs> had to move up through i'm i'm what i'm looking at your uh, your bio here uh first of all you got a paralegal i think degree then interdisciplinary studies then you got a masters and then yes. finally finally a phd i guess that took hold they yes. they said hey you can get more education than your father <laughs> right Yes, I was hungry, and uh, so I probably spent a little over, I don't know, 12 years in college. I had to do, because I didn't have a secondary education, they kept asking, where is your uh, high school transcript? And I said, I don't have one. And thankfully for me, in Texas, actually, I started in California, um, but I, I could only spend a year there, so I transferred to Texas, where... I went to Lone Star College, one of the largest community colleges in, in the U.S., and they have open admission, and they said, don't worry, we'll just 
run you through a program. And so they tested me and put me in a developmental course. It took about a year or two for me to become what they call college ready. And then I finished my um, associate's degree. Uh, fun fact, while I was doing that, I ran out of my visa, expired, and I was placed on deportation. So, and they had to have lawyers helping me, and I said, what can I do to pay you? I don't have any money. She said, well, I could use assistance, but you're not a paralegal. And I said, I can learn. So I started studying uh, paralegal so that I could help in the law firm. And that was how I eventually, a judge pardoned me and gave me uh, citizenship and but anyway, so so that was my associate's degree, and of course, I went to University of Houston system and did my bachelor's and master's at Texas Southern, and then I wanted a PhD in prevention science, and there was they didn't have that. The closest thing was juvenile justice, so I went to Texas A&M system, a university they call Prairie View A&M. So that's where I got my uh, PhD in juvenile justice. Um, focusing on prevention science. And then I became certified. I got a postdoctoral certificate from University of Washington uh, specializing in a prevention science model called Communities That Care. So that is my um, my journey. When I finished that level of education, I felt like um, I couldn't ask for anything in this world again. That was my childhood dream. And thanks to the generosity of those missionaries and a lot of other missionaries that came behind them. They just pulled together and um, gave everything they could to make my dream come true. So that's how I ended up in Utah. I've always wanted to be here. I've always wanted Utah to benefit from my education and my uh, specialty. I am one of few um, African um, uh, people of African descent, I should say Nigerian-American, that actually has a a postdoctoral degree in prevention science, and my certificate, my practicum was done in Utah. And I promised them that if they would allow me to become certified, I would come back and do something. And two years ago, in the middle of COVID, Utah State University advertised for a position, and they wanted somebody who can teach juvenile justice. My wife said, this job has your name on it. And and I asked if they would give me a, a joint appointment, a secondary role as a the prevention scientist for the state. They said, we don't have one, so sure. And they, they created an extension, what they call an extension role for me. So I teach in the classroom. I teach criminal justice, juvenile justice, and sociology in the classroom as a full-time um, tenure-track faculty professor. And then I have a secondary role working with all 29 counties to help them prevent uh, or reduce or prevent their crime, disease, and poverty rate. We're trying to reduce this social problem to zero by January 2030. So it's it's a race to to get there within 10 years. Is how I look at it. Yeah, well, well, incredible. Well, let's let, let's uh, put your incredible story on on pause just a moment. Bring in our other guests. Uh, we we bring in uh, Representative Lowry Snow, who's Republican representing District 74 in Washington County. Uh, Representative Snow, thanks for joining us. Thank you, and uh, thank you for the invitation. You bet. I know we have to let you go here in about 10 minutes, so we'll, we'll concentrate on you a little bit as we go along here in this first part of the program. We also bring on uh, Sheriff Jason Turgerson, who's uh, Sheriff of San Juan County. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Um, so uh, I want to uh, turn to you, Representative Snow. I know you've, um, you've sponsored some, some bills on, on, on this general topic, right? Uh, especially education, and education is a way of, uh, of helping those who are incarcerated. I wonder if you'd tell us about uh, House Bill 266 especially. Thank you. Uh, I think uh, sometimes, um, sometimes we forget that, um, especially our young people who are held in long-term custody, still have uh, a need to be educated to the extent possible to stay up with their their peers so that so that when they get back into society and become integrated um, they have a place and um, I think uh, I, I think our education efforts uh, help a couple of uh, sessions ago uh, I was the chief sponsor of uh, that house bill 266 which uh, opened the doors for uh, providing 
concurrent enrollment uh, for our uh, youth in long-term uh, custody. Uh, and I think most of your listeners and, and everyone on this line understands uh, Utah's concurrent enrollment. It's actually a great benefit for our students in high school to receive, to take classes on a college level and receive college credits. And, uh, for example, in the case of my granddaughter who just recently graduated from high school, she had enough concurrent enrollments credits. She actually received an associate's degree uh, at the same time that she graduated from high school. Well, our, our youth in, in custody didn't um, have that opportunity, but it occurred to me as I began speaking with uh, some of the good people at uh, Utah Tech University that they had the capability and the, uh, and the interest and the passion for delivering uh, these courses to our young people in custody. Uh, and so uh, I don't know whether that's occurring uh, elsewhere in the nation, but uh, I'm really grateful that we've stepped up and uh, making a difference for these young people. Uh, I think one of the things that has been most rewarding is I've heard back from teachers who have been involved with that. They tell me that some of the students uh, tell them or ask them questions like, are you serious that I can actually, I'm, I'm getting college credits for this? Uh, and, and the teachers have to uh, verify that this is actual uh, college credit they're receiving. And the reason for, that's so remarkable for some of those young people is they come from families where uh, no one has attended college. They never thought that they would ever have the opportunity. And so uh, it's not just about giving them the education, but it's about offering them hope in the future that, that uh, the day will come when they're out that they can actually um, take their place uh, in continuing their education or uh, pursuing a career. So uh, that was the essence of the bill. It's going forward. Uh, and uh, the data is uh, pretty significant in terms of the young people that enrolled. And I think this next session, uh, in talking to um, the Director of uh, Juvenile uh, Justice Services and also um, uh, Professor Kaplan down at Utah Tech University, and Sam's aware of this as well, uh, we're going to be looking for additional funding to expand that uh, because that makes a real difference. Um, it's interesting, let me just add this note, it's interesting in speaking with the, with the uh, teachers that um, these students are limited in terms of their online access. Most of the time they don't have that. Uh, and they're also limited in their ability to access any technology. So one of the teachers I talked to just uh, a week or two ago who taught English said that these students were handwriting their essays, some of them as long as uh, 10 pages or more, um, and uh, th they were highly motivated to do whatever is necessary uh, to uh, accomplish um, a passing grade and getting a, a college credit. So it's, 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 if, if I sound like I'm passionate, it's because I know that these are the kinds of things that will make a difference in these young people's lives. Mm. Thanks. Uh, yeah, that's, that's wonderful. I, I want to turn next to uh, Sheriff Torgerson. Um, you're, of course, responsible for the inmates there in the, you know San Juan County. Um, uh, tell me about efforts to uh, for education, I guess, and uh, other things that might help inmates. Um, you know, later in life, I guess, right now and then later in life. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, one of the duties of the sheriff, of course, is the managing the, the county jail <clears throat> and our. Um, our, our county jail, excuse me, has about 110 beds. Um, 70 of those are state inmates that we contract with the state of Utah to house. And um, and so we do programming for those state inmates. The other, you know, 30 or so beds are our county county people that are incarcerated or people that are, are traveling through or are sentenced to do time, you know, in the county jail. And so we have, uh, we have programming for, for state inmates. And then we also, one of our jail staff, um, provides education for the people that are incarcerated, help them get a, a GED or high school um, graduation. And that's been going on for, for some time with our partnership with the San Juan School District. But just recently, Professor Sam's come to us, and we started this you know pilot program to help inmates um, go on into higher education. And we just feel that's important, so we were glad to, to partner up with him and, and let's give this pilot program a shot because anything we can do to help um, – 
you know, the people that are incarcerated will help them um, when they get out with their families, with their communities, and um, we just believe it'll help with, uh, you know, recidivism rate to uh, hopefully not come back. So that's kind of our goal, and, and we're happy to, to partner up with Professor Sam in this this goal that he's uh, pursuing. Yeah, I wonder. A follow-up question, Sheriff. Uh, what, what what feedback are you getting, or, or, or I guess response uh, rates? Are inmates interested in this? They're taking advantage of this. Um, it, Professor Sam's done a lot of work and and uh, getting this going, and he can get more on the numbers. But um, you know, it's I think we have um, you know five or less in it right now. But um, hopefully, we can get it going. He's he's doing a lot of a lot of work, reaching out to to everybody and. Um, and so I think, you know, as it as it grows, there'll be more excitement with it, and and um, it'll help a lot. So, uh, well, great, kind of the, uh, yeah, kind that's, of where we're at right now. that's wonderful. I'll turn back to Professor Rungwa in just a second here. I know we have to let Representative uh, Snow go here uh, pretty soon, just in a couple of minutes. So, uh, Representative Snow, um, uh, what are, what will this take? What, what will you be looking at in the next session? What, what will it take to scale the, these programs up? I guess money is one thing, right? Um, money is, and I don't have the figure now, um, the, the last legislation um, was relatively low. I think $300,000 uh, to get the program uh, off and running. Uh, that seems in some ways a lot of money, but when you think about the number of uh, students that it helps and also the effort to reduce recidivism, as the sheriff mentioned, um, it, it's actually money well invested. I think the figures are something like for every dollar um, uh, invested in these kind of education prog- uh, programs, both for youth in custody as well as for um, uh, adults in custody, it's a savings of $5 because you reduce the recidivism. And the other, not just recidivism, but they make better fathers, better mothers, um, uh, better citizens uh, uh, that are educated. I need to I need to sign off, but, but uh, can I just uh, comment about the... Uh, Adult custody, adults in custody expansion that's happening now too. In addition to the great work, and actually part of what the work that Dr. Sam is doing, uh, I passed or excuse me, sponsored legislation last session that created a higher ed and corrections council. First time it's been done in the state. It's an effort to coordinate um, the office of higher education and and the work in Department of Corrections. Uh, to expand and uh, and sheriff down in San Juan County, one of the things that we're t- that we're taking uh, and tackling is how do we how do we get to uh, the outlying uh, correction facilities, counties that are housing uh, adult inmates. Um, and the work has been is just getting started. I'm currently chairing uh, that council, um, but the effort and, and cooperation on higher ed parts that's been engaged in this. Uh, for example, the work that uh, Dr. Sam is, is doing is also being done at University of Utah, at Brigham Young University, in times recent at, at Snow College, and Salt Lake Community College has been one of the uh, largest providers of offering these programs. And we're now moving towards uh, expanding uh, that. Uh, to give you some idea, the question of what is the interest with our new correctional facility in Salt Lake County, just opened up months ago. They just began their new kind of academic year. Um, there's about 2,500 adult inmates there. Uh, they just accepted an entering class, so to speak, of, of those who were signed up for taking these college courses of 220. That's 10%, uh, which is pretty significant. And each year that, that grows because there is a recognition among inmates that uh, this is going to help them prepare and help them um, uh, do something really productive uh, while they're there. Uh, the other thing I would note uh, is um, there is, I think, a new commitment uh, at every level of um, leadership in our state uh, to work on rehabilitation, not just because it reduces recidivism, uh, but also it uh, makes better citizens, as I said, better parents. There are many of these adult inmates that still have children uh, that they need to care for, that they need to provide for, and if we can help them get um, get an education. And by the way, I didn't even mention the Tech, President Davis uh, Technical College, 
Um, a number of technical colleges also have uh, programs issuing certifications. We've got inmates uh, coming out with welding certificates, with other certificates that allow them to immediately get into the workforce and become productive. Now, I know I've said a lot, and I hope you'll forgive me for rambling, but I wanted to get mm-hmm. some of these good things that are happening uh, in, in our state uh, and making an investment in both young people and our adults. No, that's that's wonderful. Oh, so, so thank you for telling us about all that, and I know we have to let you go here. So we've been talking with uh, Representative Lowry Snow from uh, Washington County. Thank you so much. Thank you, and you'll, you'll excuse me if I, I jump off here, and um, thanks for allowing me and giving me an opportunity to speak. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. And remaining on the program are uh, Sam Arungwa. Uh, he is a USU Assistant Professor of Criminal Justice and Prevention Science Extension Specialist at the USU Blandy Campus, and uh, Jason Torgerson, who is San Juan County Sheriff. Uh, so before we go to break, uh, Professor Arungwa, uh, a lot said there. Anything you want to <laughs> want to respond to before we go to break? We'll have, we'll have a lot more time the hour to talk about this. I wonder specifically about education in, in, our, in our jails and, and prisons. Uh, well, thank you, Tom. I, when this opportunity came, I was so desperate to see if we could possibly hear from Sheriff Togerson and Representative Snow because I couldn't think of um, uh, better champions for what we're doing. I certainly couldn't have been able to uh, do this without your support. So I'm glad that you, we got to hear from Representative Snow and hopefully hear some more from Sheriff Togerson after you break. All right, let's do take a break. Uh, We are uh, talking about uh, prevention of crime, poverty, and disease. Those are not only uh, areas of study for Professor Rungwa, but areas of passion uh, for him and uh, a lot of good work going on, including uh, in San Juan County with uh, Sheriff Torgerson. We'll have more following this break. Thanks for listening to Access U Time. Tom Williams. We're talking with Sam Arungwa, USU Assistant Professor of Criminal Justice and Prevention Science Extension Specialist at the USU Blanding Campus. We're also talking with Jason Torgerson, who is San Juan County Sheriff. Uh, so, Professor Arungwa, um, it's I mean, it seems logical. It, it passes the conventional wisdom test, right? You educate inmates. And uh, they're better able to uh, readjust once they uh, come out, uh, improve their lives while in jail, and probably improve their lives when they come out. Um, but is there is there science behind this? Is there research that backs this up? Yep, absolutely, Tom. That is an excellent question because the my secondary role is uh, prevention scientist, uh, a prevention science extension specialist, and so. I am only allowed to work on issues where we have definitive proof, um, what we call evidence, scientific evidence that it um, it works. And so you have essentially, when it comes to um, dealing with the individuals, let's just call them offenders in our justice system, you have majority of the programs that we put them through, we refer to them as traditional programs um, or tradition-based programs or TBPs. These are programs that um, key leaders like the sheriff or the warden would say, um, would fund and approve for their facilities, not because they have any scientific evidence that these programs work, but because it's, it's what the former sheriff was doing, and the new sheriff feels the need to continue doing it. So we call it tradition because they are usually they usually have been there for a very long time, and everybody swears that that's the way to go. But if you talk to people like me and say, "Hey, Doctor Sam, can you take a look at this program and tell us if it's um, if it's scientific?" Most of them are not. It, it's really. Um, a, a good exercise in waste of time and money, and sometimes waste of life. Some of them um, very um, destructive. So that's what's happening in the. It happens in every community, by the way. So it's not particular with with prisons and jails, correctional facilities. But when we talk about post-secondary correctional education (PSCE), that is the scientific name for what we're doing. Post-secondary correctional education. It's 
in its in a simplified way, it's offering incarcerated people the same higher educational opportunity you would offer someone who is a law-abiding citizen. Um, the, the goal is to remove as many obstacles and barriers as possible so they would have experience in higher education as they did before they became incarcerated or as they would after they uh, finish incarceration. And we have that model. Um, the federal government spent millions of dollars uh, a few decades ago to create a website called crimesolutions.gov. Crimesolutions.gov. You will excuse me for plugging it. I, I hope that is okay. But I am crazy about that website because it is a model, not only for U- U.S., but for the whole world. It is a website where the U.S. federal government, the Department of Justice, have paid people like me from across the nation and across the world to put together a a list, what we call directory, of scientifically proven programs for um, prisons and jails. And post-secondary correctional education is one of those, um, we call them evidence-based programs, or EBP. So that's where I lifted that from, and I shared that with Sheriff Togerson. And, and that was the conversation I had with him. I said, Sheriff, your jail is doing a lot of good programs, but this one is proven. Is it okay if we do a pilot? And shockingly, um, I've talked to a few sheriffs before I met him. Uh, within a few minutes, he said something like, when do we start? <laughs> and that was, that was absolutely um, what I was looking for. So yes, we have proof that if you follow this program, it will reduce um, recidivism or reoffending rate by up to 50% um, if it's uh, properly and fully imp- implemented, which means we have a shot at um, sending half of the people in the jail or prison home, and they will never come back um, to prison again, which is a huge savings in cost, but also um, significant reduction in crime in Utah. Yeah, I just uh, pulled that site up. Uh, we'll, we'll recommend that to uh, listeners. Uh, crimesolutions.gov uh, has a lot of yes. information on there. I want to turn uh, back to Sheriff Turgeson. Um I happen to know, uh, Sheriff, that uh, that at least for the Cache County Jail here where I am, uh, you know, there's there there's programming for the uh, uh, for the inmates, right? In fact, there's a deputy who's over programming. Um, and I assume the same in San Juan uh, uh, County uh, Jail. This is, um, and I, I assume it's not all altruistic, right? The, the, you're you're trying to prevent recidivism. Uh, you're trying to to rehabilitate folks. Yeah, that's correct. That's our you know our main goal is um, to get people out there. Like it's been mentioned already before, uh, be good husbands, mothers, and and uh, you know siblings, and get back in there and. And then not come back to jail. Our jail, our, we, our inmates at the San Juan County Jail, or we have um, sex offenders, and so our programming is we are one of the first jails to start uh, the, uh, the sex offender therapy program. And so we've been doing it for quite a while, and we have therapists on staff that uh, that work and, and help help the inmates with um, with things that can when they get back out that that they can succeed and. And so this thing that Professor Sam's brought to us is just another thing that we can offer besides our, our programming, and and um, we're on board. Anything we can offer to help is um, is what we want to do. So that's kind of where where we're at with it. And I imagine, there, Sheriff, there's a, a you know full range of problems. Um, you, you mentioned um, you know sex crimes, sex offenses, trying to rehabilitate people there. I imagine uh, drugs. Some folks are in there for. For drug offenses, yep. Some of our, our a lot of our county people are drugs, and you know most of most of the crimes that are committed are, you know, have are drug related in some way. Um, you know, they're 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 stealing or something to help pay for their habit, and so a lot of things are are drug related. Um, so I think other jails are dealing with that kind of programming, um, where we're mainly our state inmates. We're mainly just the uh, you know the the sex offender programming so mm-hmm. yeah. our county our local people and uh you know a lot of that is you know is drug related so we need we need uh, to offer things to help with that as well and a lot of that i think is this yeah good education where they can um you know get a good job and and 
yeah, just help with their with their families and their communities, and it'll all you know help in the end. Mm. Uh, so, Sheriff, one more question to you before I turn back to Professor Rungwa. Um, that's a big transition. You know, somebody gets out of jail, gets out of prison, right? It's um, they might go back to the same environment that uh, where they had trouble, right? Um, I, I guess one thing you're trying to do is give them some tools to to maybe do better this time around. Yeah, that's what uh, this, this education I think is all about is giving them the tools they need, you know, to help them succeed. And um, yeah, we see it over and over again. Um, like Professor Sam mentioned, some of the things. You know, we keep doing the same thing over and over again, and, and some people just keep going on back and back into jail. We recently had a, you know, a, a citizen from our county just got out of the state prison, and um, he's had a hard time um, integrating back, and he's actually in our jail now looking at probably going back to prison again. Um, so, you know, it is a big adjustment for, for individuals, and, and just anything we can, any tools we can give them to help them just would, uh, would help everybody. You know, all communities everywhere. So it's it's definitely worth the effort. Uh, so, Professor Rungwa, uh, back to you. Uh, you mentioned, I think, the the, the number you cited. If, if implementing some of these programs, especially education programs, can reduce uh, recidivism rates up to fifty percent, was that the figure? Yes, the the study we did years ago that was about ten years old um, was showing about forty six. I believe. And since then, myself and a few other colleagues from around the country have improved on um, things that we can do um, to even increase increase that rate. The 50% is a very conservative number. We fully anticipate that the model we're implementing here in Utah will be, will be higher. But, but that's a number you can take to the bank that if we fully implement um, post-secondary correctional education, we will cut crime in half. Um, within 10 years in in Utah, which um, the yeah, and the reason that is important for your listeners is that some people come to this program for, for so different reasons. Um, I shared my story at the beginning so people can see my motivation, but there are others who are not interested in altruism or charity. They are looking for, let's say, for instance, if you have a lawmaker or who is funding this. There could be a Republican core conservative who is looking for saving um, tax dollars or reduced waste of tax dollars. So we want to make sure that they know that there's probably no better investment than um, than what we are describing today. But then there are others also who come to it for a different reason, what we call the moral reason. It's not about saving money or it's about saying what is the right thing to do. And I'm sure I'm glad that both Sheriff Togerson and Representative Snow have talked about these individuals being somebody's daughter, somebody's son, um, somebody's mom, dad, and grandparents in some cases. So if we have this tool that we can help them get back on their feet and abandon criminal behavior and become a law-abiding citizen, it just seems like for a state as religious as we are, we should be looking at it morally that we shouldn't turn our back. And so we're trying to address the concern of the different. We know we're in a divided, in terms of our politics, we're in a divided country where someone could be a democratic, uh, liberal, or conservative Republican. This is one program where we can all agree that it is the right thing to do. It also saves us money and saves lives. So that's, that's why I mentioned both. What uh, what's your what's your goal? I imagine you'd like to see these programs in every jail and prison in the state. Yes, I'm glad you asked, Tom. We've completed the pilot in San Juan uh, prison slash jail, and um, that was exactly the question I think Sheriff Togerson asked me a few months ago. And I said, my goal is my appointment at U- Utah State University as an extension specialist is statewide which means whatever I'm doing in San Juan, um, I have an obligation to scale it to each of the 29 counties. And I asked him if he could connect me with the president of what he educated me. is called the USA. thought I would mention that Utah Sheriff's Association, um, and it turns out the sheriff of Cache County, um, your county, is the president of Utah Sheriff's Association. So we've met with him, and, and he is open to 
um, allowing me time to pitch this to um, all the sheriffs in Utah. I'm looking forward very much to that. And so, so my deal with Sheriff Togerson is, um, since he didn't have a budget to pay me, and I said, if you liked what we're doing, would you introduce me to your 28 other uh, sheriffs? I know they belong to a small club, and his invitation only, and he agreed to to take me there. So that's that's where, what we're hoping to do this fall, is to extend what we're doing in San Juan to every jail and every prison in Utah where we're invited. And I'm hoping that sharing this with your audience would help us to connect with um, those individuals to and we also want to partner with every university, every post-secondary education institution in Utah. Uh, this is There is no competition in what we're doing. We want to partner with and collaborate with everyone. I should mention that we're already collaborating with uh, UTU, Utah Technical University, former Dixie. I started consulting with them um, quietly and secretly a year ago, and now we are doing the paperwork to formalize that relationship where I get to help them because they're focusing on juvenile uh, prisons and um, using the funding that Representative Snow helped them secure from the legislature. So I'm helping them with that so they can scale to every juvenile detention center and prison in Utah. And in return, uh, they get to collaborate with me and help us uh, to join forces to reach the prison and jail, not only in Washington County and Cache County, but today we're interested in being in every every prison and every jail in Utah as, mm. as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Before we go to break, I want to turn back to uh, Sheriff Torgerson. Uh, Professor Ungwa mentioned one of the potential barriers that's going to have to be overcome here. That's money, right? I'm assuming you're not, uh, you know, rolling in cash there for the for the for the jails, Sheriff. Yeah, that's true. Um, <clears throat> I mean, San Juan County is probably one of the, the poorest counties in the state. And so, yeah, money's hard to come by. And I've been very grateful um, for Professor Sam, Dr. Sam. He is probably the most driven person um, I've ever met. And he's um, he's always driving. He wants to meet with, you know, the Sheriff's Association. And, and it's it's good. You can, you know, feel his passion. And, and he's done most of this stuff down here for, for free for us here in San Juan County, which has been very, very helpful because we wouldn't uh, be able to do it otherwise. And. And so, uh, yeah, money's money's hard to come by, but you know he's always looking out for for ways to get grants and and uh, you know money from the, the legislature as well. So I think uh, I'm just I just appreciate his drive in in, in pushing this and and um, and trying to get this you know throughout the state. And so we'll continue to work with him and help him to to reach out with the other the sheriffs through the sheriffs association. Mm. Uh, Professor Ungwa, just before we go to break, uh, maybe we've got some folks interested, you know, sheriffs or or officials. Uh, I guess they just contact you. That's right. I My job is to talk to them, and I'm available to them 24-7. When I'm not teaching in the classroom or meeting with my students, I have about any, anywhere from 100 to 200 uh, students at Utah State University. My secondary role is to talk to, we call them key leaders decision makers, and it could be those in the legislature or in the executive, from the governor all the way to mayors and county commissioners, and then in the uh, judiciary, that would be Supreme Court justices and uh, district judges. Those that have decision-making role, my job is to first educate them about these programs uh, that we have, which is a solution that they are looking for. And we call it strategic consultation. So they become my client, and I give them um, advice, and that is absolutely free. If they are interested in implementation, then my secondary um, offering to them service is what we call technical training. I will be able to train them and their key staff on how to replicate what we are doing in San Juan. Um, And it doesn't matter whether they have money or not. There are now tens of thousands of crazy professors like me and my wife who are absolutely willing to do this as a part of our hobby. So we just keep basketball or golf and instead focus on doing this for a year or two, what we call pilot. Once you pilot it, this is a program that sells itself because we can show what we call proof of concept and the 
cost-benefit analysis, we bring in economists that will show that the county and the state is actually saving um, thousands and eventually millions of dollars by implementing this. So money is no longer a barrier. It used to be until people like me realize that we don't always have to be paid for every class we teach or every advice we give. We can, so I call them pro bono professors, and we have quite a few already in Utah, and we have tens of thousands outside of Utah who can, um, who are willing to donate their services. So, so we're not waiting on the legislature anymore. We are grateful when they choose to support it, but if, if we don't have the vote, we want to move forward and um, help our own citizens and neighbors. Well, let's do go to uh, another break. We'll come back with a brief final segment here with uh, Sam Arungwa, USU Assistant Professor of Criminal Justice and Prevention Science Extension Specialist at USU Blanding Campus, and uh, Jason Torgerson, who is the San Juan County Sheriff. We'll have more following this. Thanks for uh, joining us for Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking with uh, San Juan County Sheriff Jason Torgerson and with uh, Sam Arungwa, who is USU Assistant Professor of Criminal Justice. He's also a Prevention Science uh, Extension Specialist at the USU Blanding Campus. Previously, we talked with Representative Lowry Snow. Um, and so, Professor Arungwa, a very brief uh, final segment here, just about five minutes-ish. Uh, so just a couple of minutes on this. Um, and this might be, you know, topic for to expand another day. But you mentioned earlier in the program uh, an ambitious goal: uh, prevention or elimination of crime, poverty, and disease by 2030. Um, and that, I guess uh, education plays a big part in all of uh, that. That is correct, Tom. Education happens to be one of like a dozen. Um, prevention science programs we like to implement. Um, Education is a foundational program. So on top of education, then you can build on the other dozen or so uh, programs. After people receive their um, post-secondary education, and that could be a certificate, one-year certificate, for instance, or associate degree, bachelor's, master's, or PhD, uh, they need a job. Even while they are taking these classes, they need a job. So there is one we created. We call it UTARA, University Teaching and Research Assistant. The goal is to make sure that every one of the inmates or prisoners who are receiving this education can also hold a job while they're in prison. And and so one of the first courses we started in San Juan is this um, teaching them to satisfy them to be able to work as a university teaching and research assistant. And all six of them, we started with six, one just went home, so we are down to five. So they are all my assistants. And the uh, research we're doing is transitioning the textbook for their courses. Instead of commercial textbook, we want them to use um, what we call open education and resource, which is a fancy way of saying free, high quality, free textbook. and Teaching them that skill means that they will be invaluable to the university that is helping them, in this case, Utah State University. That textbook is for me to be to use in my courses, but then that makes it available to them. And, and so we were doing it just as a local project, but a few months ago, the state of Oregon, which is like number one when it comes to developing uh, free textbook, they reached out and decided that they had a federal grant and the lead author left and they asked if I would become the lead author because they, they were fascinated that um, we're doing this in prison. So it's, it's now become a national uh, collaboration because we're collaborating with other states to not only offer this education, but to be able to do it with free textbooks and the inmates themselves will have the skill to help um, our professors to develop these textbooks. So so yeah, that's I just use that as an example of how um, higher education is the beginning. We really want our prisons to be the most productive uh, facility in, in in our state, and that's something we, with the support of the sheriffs and the wardens, um, it will require change of um, <laughs> process to to look at inmates not just as people to warehouse. That's a term we use for. Uh, clothing them and feeding them, but denying them access to higher education and high-income job. So we want to change that so that they would be productive. So when they go home, it, 
it's not a different is not new because this is something they're already doing in prison. But if I may, I want to talk about the discovery we made in the last two years, the science of what we're doing. We uh, wanted to find find out um, what is the best way to identify professors who professors and key leaders who are willing to um, participate in this program because we have to have their willingness. And so for my PhD dissertation, I designed a, an instrument, essentially a survey, a 10-minute survey called Willingness to Support or WITS, W-I-T-S. So we simply adapted that uh, survey to use it to apply to our project. We wanted to know what would professors say, not just at USU, but in the entire UCI, entire state of Utah, what would the professors say if we asked them to teach at least one class a year um, at the prison uh, for free if the prison or jail didn't have money to pay them? And can I tell you that the um, preliminary result we got is that um, actually most professors are willing to support this project with or without being paid. And so yeah. that was exci- exciting because the consequence of that, and we're going to formalize that and publish it in a scientific journal, but I wanted to kind of share that with your listeners that maybe we don't have to wait for um, to get money from Washington or from um, Salt Lake, from the Capitol. If the lawmakers are not willing to fund it, there are pe- a lot more people like me and my wife who are... Um, already professors, and they're willing to do uh, this as a service for the community. And that changes the conversation of and the argument we've been having for decades, which is, I would love to do it, I just don't want to pay for it. In this case, we, we can engage with those key leaders because they don't have to wait until they have money. They can count on what we're calling willingness. If people have the, a high level of willingness, we can get started, and eventually the program will pay for itself. Yeah, that's, that's uh, great news. Uh, Sheriff Turkson, I want to end with you. We just have about a minute left. Um, uh, I want to have you just uh, speak briefly to the, what are the key factors in reducing recidivism. You talked about the, the citizen who uh, you know, got out of uh, prison and now looks like maybe he's going back. Uh, you want to prevent that kind of thing. Is, is education, I guess education is among the, the top factors. Yeah, education is one of the top because that just helps uh... – you know, the, the person go back and, and be able to, you know, have a way to support their family. And so that helps with their family relationships and, um, you know, being getting that trust and, and, and getting back and, and just being part of that that family. And then and then you're also productive in the in the community. That's important to have, a, you know, community support and being part of a, a community. And so education definitely helps with that, um, that you can go back and be a, you know, a productive member of society so so i think education's you know it just helps it's a it's a, a piece that helps you know with all those other things that are important to help someone you know stay out of jail or prison which that's our you know that's our goal it just helps society you know as a whole so well, uh, thank you very much. We've reached the end of our uh, our hour. We've been talking with uh, Jason Torgerson, San Juan County Sheriff. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And we've been talking with Sam Marungwa, who is USU Assistant Professor of Criminal Justice and Prevention Science Extension Specialist, USU Blinding Campus. Professor Marungwa, thank you so much. Thank you, Tom. Good to be with you. Good, good to be with you. And previously we talked with Representative uh, Lowry Snow as well. And uh, we'll go out, as we always do, on a Thursday with uh, Leo T. and Skywatcher. The following is a rebroadcast of a Skywatcher Leo T. from October of 2021. It's many cultures, one sky. Skywatcher Leo T here. As we climb into the sky with our own eyes, we can see the waning gibbous moon. That's between full and half, when Luna is in the phase where its visible surface is shrinking every night until it's a new moon and hiding. Then growing back to full. At any rate, the moon or Luna shines in the east after dark, and binoculars will help you look to its upper left and find the sublime Pleiades, or seven sisters, 
which right now looks like a twinkly kite flying with its tail trailing below. See the sky chart on the Skywatcher side for all of this program as well as some great photographs. Also easy to spot is bright big orange Capella. It's a few clicks to the left of the moon. And then on Saturday, the moon shines magically near a big, beautiful reddish star in Taurus the Bull, blinking at you, known as Aldebaran, the Eye of the Bull. And by midnight, Orion, the King of Kites, is clearing the eastern horizon far below them all. On Skywatcher Leo T, it's many cultures, one sky. As we talk about the moon, we delve into some of the interesting images people all over the world have of the mares or seas of the moon. In many cultures, including the Chinese zodiac, the rabbit is a lunar creature with feminine energies and whose outline can be seen in the face of the full moon. Many Native American cultures, the rabbit myths tell of the hare returning the sun to the sky and restoring warmth, which I think we can all use a little bit of warmth along with the nice moisture we've been getting. On the Skywatcher side, the rabbit in a painting by Susan Sadin Boulay and published by Pomegranate Communication shows a moon goddess venerated by the Ergic peoples of western Siberia. Although this goddess can assume many forms, the rabbit's her favorite. And let's take the little Skywatcher spaceship out a little further to visit the JPL NASA Mars rover called Perseverance. It is getting ready for a little trip, a little fresh round of exploration on the Jezero Crater region after helping confirm the ancient giant lake and riverbed in the Isidius Plantia just north of the equator in the eastern hemisphere of Mars. Check out the Skywatcher site for a cool map. As promised, we continue with our 3 billion mile voyage to Pluto on New Horizons. The first Earth probe that we know of anyway, except that maybe by the Aztecs or, or somebody, to explore Pluto. New Horizons not only checked out Pluto, but its moons. That's right, five moons. The biggest, Chiron, is in a tight dance orbiting with Pluto and has a few surprises of its own. Banning half the moon is an enormous canyon, Argo Chasma. It is almost twice as long as the Grand Canyon and has possibly the highest cliffs in the solar system. Pluto. Well, we'll check the young surprising geology next time and at some point uh, get new horizons out another billion miles or so to a weird knocked out space rock. We've been heading there for a couple of weeks, but we will get there. It's many cultures, one sky as we look up, look around and get lost in space. Skywatcher Leo T on UPR with translator station statewide and streaming live.